Who's feeling the heat the most with the New Orleans Pelicans? The coaching staff, the front office, or maybe even ownership? Plus, should the Pels look to add Monty Williams back to the bench? And more of your questions in a mailbag episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Monday, we got a Big week's worth of shows. The draft lottery tomorrow. I'll give you the rundown, including when maybe we'll drop some jersey news this week. Exclusively here on Locked On Pelicans, because I've seen them. Today, though, we're going to get into your questions. we got three, four, five questions here that I think are really great. Give you some insight into the team. And I'll give you the rundown for the rest of the week coming up a little bit later. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday. No one else comes to y'all like this. Breaking down everything you want to know about this team. Dropping a couple of nuggets this week as well. Subscribe. Tell a friend about the show. And if you want to support the channel... Become an everydayer, listen Monday through Friday, and comment down below on YouTube. So let's get right into it. Your questions. I loved this one. It comes from at Saints Forecasts, Ralph Marlboro of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, longtime supporters of mine. They are awesome. I appreciate them, and I loved this question. He says, I feel like the Pels had more bad luck than they were underachieving. Attendance was up from last year. So how much pressure are David Griffin and Willie Green actually facing next year from Gale? Ralph, I'm going to twist your question a little bit here. Basically, I kind of view this as who's facing the most pressure? Is it the front office? Is it the coaching staff? And while I think there's some pressure on both of them the coaching needs to get a little bit better they want to win they don't want to miss the playoffs and they don't want to, you know fans don't want to see them going through the play in tournament and david griffin is doing i think the best job that he can given some of the limitations that maybe he's faced as he runs this team you know and injuries are truly bad luck you know howard beck was on the show on friday he said when you look at this it looks just more bad luck and doesn't really think it's a huge issue with the medical the training staff kind of using that all as an all-encompassing thing for everyone that's in there. So next year, they should be good. So is there that much pressure? Yes and no, because you've got to deliver. But I'd argue that the group that's facing the most pressure from fans, from people in general, is not the front office, David Griffin. It's not the coaching staff and head coach, Willie Green. It's ownership and some of the executives, I think, facing pressure. We know that this team is going to be near the luxury tax going into this season. They might need to be in the luxury tax this year. At a certain point, it's coming. They're going to have to go into the luxury tax if you want to keep this team together, or even your star players together, knowing that Herb Jones is up for a new deal, could get an extension this year. Next year, you're going to have Trey Murphy be extension eligible. This team just got expensive very quickly. As it does, you have three guys making 30 plus million dollars. So it's time for ownership more than anyone else to step up and deliver 
are you going to pay the luxury tax? I got asked on Twitter, and I don't have who asked it. It was a good question of, you know, what was the Lakers' luxury tax this past year? They're about $17 million into it. So their luxury tax bill is about $35 million. Would the Pelicans do something like that? How much would they be willing to pay? They're one of two teams to have never paid the luxury tax ever. Them and Charlotte. So it's time. It's time for ownership to take basketball more seriously than they have in the past. And I think fans are ready for it. If you have to trade CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance Jr., less so Jonas Valanciunas, because I think they want to move him, just to clear some money, and that trade deadline deal for Josh Richardson, as well as he played at times, was very much ducking next this coming season's luxury tax and was a cost-saving move more than anything else. Well, if those are the type of moves you're making, this team's never going to necessarily win a title. You're going to have to get really, really lucky. And there's some limitations on the ceiling that they can achieve. And that comes from ownership, not Willie Green, not David Griffin. So if I look at anyone who has pressure on them, it's on ownership to show they want to win a title. That's Gail Benson. That's also the executives that work with her, many of whom have an ownership stake in at least the Saints. I don't know if they do in the Pels, but I would assume they kind of do as well, even if it's a small slice of equity. So it's on them to kind of deliver. It's on them to spend the money and just do the right thing. You look at the TV deal. Resigning with Bally Sports this past year was not a popular move. I've repeatedly said on the show here, even going back to when that happened, that they looked at bringing it in-house. They decided not to. And you just had the Phoenix Suns say, we're going to get out of our contract with Bally's. We're going to bring it all in-house. That costs a lot of money. You got to build a studio. You got to hire people. You got to hire camera operators and the infrastructure and all of that. It's why, and you can go back and watch this episode. I did a show when Bally's, Diamond Sports, however you want to refer to them, went bankrupt that I said, this ain't great for the Pels because this could cost them money. Money that they don't seem willing to spend. Maybe they, if they want to be in the luxury tax, you need the money coming in from Bally's. So leaving Bally's, taking it all in-house, while you could do that and you get it out to a larger group of people, do you have as much money coming in or are you losing money on that? Well, it's time for ownership the, you know, to spend. Spend. Do what you need to do. Now, the Suns couldn't get out of it. A judge blocked that. That's a bankruptcy thing. So that doesn't surprise me. And I kind of expected that. But it shows you kind of the way the winds are blowing with this. So when I look at these three groups, front office, coaching, ownership, look, coaching just needs to get a little bit better. You can do that. Willie Green's still growing. Coaches grow too. They improve. David Griffin, I think, has done a good job the past couple of years. And I've been a very vocal critic of his. But there's only so much he can do if ownership isn't approving these things and doesn't want to spend. And I think fans realize that right now. I talk about the luxury tax a lot. If you've been in every day of the show for a while, going back to the trade deadline, I said they're not really going to make a big move because I think they're worried about the luxury tax for this coming season. What happened? They did a tax ducking move, not for this year, but for this coming year. You think that's not a directive from up top? It absolutely is. So the group that's facing the most pressure, in my opinion, is front office. Not front office, sorry, not front office. Ownership and the executives there. Get the TV stuff right. Spend the money to have a winner because you have three, four, five, six really talented players and you could. That's who I think is under the most pressure. Let me know, as you as a fan... When you look at those three groups, let me know in the comments down below who has the most pressure on them in your opinion or who should. 
because fans seem very fed up and this has been building for a little bit going back to last season too. And I think that's a good thing. So that's where I think it is. So coming up, what the heck happened at the end of the season? I have a question that's a little long that basically comes down to like, what the heck happened in that Minnesota game and the game against the Oklahoma City Thunder in the play-in tournament? That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Then we'll get to Monty Williams and a really great question in the third segment. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Prize Picks. Every day, the NBA playoffs and finals, one Prize Pick user will uh, will win a chance to become a millionaire. They got a one hundred uh, one million daily superflex promotion. Whoever place uh, one, I've got all of this copy wrong. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will randomly be selected each day. And whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts. You get all six picks correct, you're going to get a million dollars. You get five of them correct, $80,000. Four picks correct, you can do that, $16,000. Full details can be found at pricepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. And once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could end up being the lucky winner. And Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And the best part is you're not competing against other players. It's just you versus the projections. You see it and you go, okay, LeBron is going to have more than 25 and a half points, or he's going to have fewer than 25 and a half points. And entries can be made so quickly. So download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, Price Picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, Price Picks will give you 50. Don't forget, enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday. No one else comes to you like this. Talking all things Pelicans that you want to hear. So become an everydayer. Listen Monday through Friday. So here's the schedule the rest of the week. Tomorrow, NBA Draft Lottery. Might be a great night for the Pelicans. Could not be. We'll find out real early on. Tomorrow's show is just going to kind of be a primer on everything you need to know about the Draft Lottery and some scenarios for the Pelicans. That'll be out on Tuesday morning. It's on YouTube, you know, Monday night. I will be going live Soon after the NBA draft lottery ends, we're going to just do the show live. I think the internet's holding up that we'll be able to do this. I have all the infrastructure. So we'll do a live show. I'll answer your questions in the moment live on YouTube. So subscribe on YouTube to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And we'll break down everything we need to know about what happened to the Pelicans, good or bad. We're going to have a lot of fun on that show, especially if we get some really good news. And then the remainder of the week is going to be looking at the pick, looking and starting to do some of the draft prospects that are going to be in those ranges. And we're also going to do the community mock draft again. This was a lot of fun last year. If you want to be involved, let me know on Twitter at Nola Jake, but I'll put something out with that and make it easy on y'all to make your selections and assign people to teams. No trades in that, but it's a lot of fun just to kind of get what everyone is thinking. And I'll also end up giving you my big board as well. And the next month is really going to be devoted to a lot of draft talk. So I'm excited for all of this and everything coming. We got a fun, fun week of shows, especially when it comes to this. And hey, maybe we're going to be doing some celebrating. Today, though, mailbag episode. So this one comes from Richard Constable at Richard Constable, no E at the end of that. He says, on April 7th, the Pelicans had won 9 of 11 
and the spirits with the team and the fan base were high. Then a series of Zion announcements happened and the team seemed to implode. Do you think there was something else going on or did all the bad press around Zion really just squash all the momentum that had been built up? It seems like the team never learns from their PR mistakes. I like this question. This is an interesting one. Because what, what he's talking about, April 7th, that was the end of the regular season. Pelicans had won seven, or sorry, almost the end of the regular season. They had one more game to go, and they had that game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And that's when we started having kind of the snafus with Zion and the updates and the fan base kind of demanding it and the team giving them something, but not really, and then needing to walk, walk that back and add more. And it's like, what the heck is going on? And I said, I thought, they handled that poorly, not because they needed to tell y'all more, because I don't think they owe you updates on like injuries and things like that. And there was nothing really kind of indicating that Zion would play when people would tell me, I just want to know if Zion's going to play or not. There's nothing that said he was going to play. Stick with the status quo till told otherwise. It created a distraction. It created a distraction. I can tell you with the players that it created a distraction because one of the things I'd said was just put out your statement, leave it be, and let that be that. All of a sudden, players were being asked around about Zion. You saw it in pregame media availability. You saw it in postgame media availability. And you saw it at practices. Anytime someone came and spoke to the media, they were being asked around Zion. These dudes don't know. These dudes don't know. And that's not their job. They're trying to go out and win basketball games. And I do think that added a little bit of a distraction around the team and kind of soured the mood. I also think that maybe they were hopeful he was going to come back. And when they realized he wasn't, it kind of deflated them a little bit too, as injuries kind of did all season long. And the Pelicans players, especially guys like CJ, Larry Nance Jr., who had his own injury issues, you know, seemed to be frustrated with guys not doing everything they could to be out there on the court. And maybe that creates a little bit of resentment. They'd say otherwise publicly, but... And I think that's just created a mess. But when I look at those two games, the game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, final game of the regular season. It was over there at um, Mid-City Yacht Club with the Pels 12 for the watch party. And they imploded in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter where the team just couldn't score. I don't know if it was so much the Zion stuff there or that's where some of the coaching issues have been. You know, this team, and also just the absence of Zion. We don't always need to overthink this. That's something I say a lot if you're an everydayer here. Sometimes just things are kind of at the surface and like, that's what it is. And we don't need to dig deeper. You know, not having Zion means the offense has struggled. They struggled in the half court all year long. And in that fourth quarter against Minnesota, they, they couldn't get a bucket because they didn't have an offense built around really anything other than just play some isolation basketball, or we get stops and we can get out in transition and run. When you're not able to get out in transition and run, you struggle. When you give up offensive rebounds, your defense can't get back and get set. And, you know, all of those, or then you, you're inbounding the ball and you can't get out and run. Then your defense can't kind of thrive on the way that they thrive. And one thing feeds off the other, right? And that's been a problem. Same thing for the playing tournament game at home against the Oklahoma City Thunder. They just had no answer for Shea Gilgis-Alexander in the third. He scored 17 points in the third quarter. They were up six at half, the Pelicans were. And then they kind of imploded because they couldn't stop him. And all of a sudden now, they're not able to get back and get out and run and all of those things. And they just fall apart. The way I look at that is they, they, need, they need some more offense. They need an offensive coach to come in and really design some stuff. And yes, you have um, D'Antoni, who is a coaching consultant, but isn't there on the road, isn't in the building every day, talks to Willie Green a lot. But it's 
not the same when you're there in practice, when you're not there in practice and all of those things. It's a consultant. That's what he is. Comes here on occasion. You'll see him around. And that's about that. So there's only so much he can do. They need maybe to add someone to the bench. And when we talked about James Borrego the other day, said that's probably not the answer. It's not a, a bad player or player coach to add on the bench. I'd like to see someone with head coaching experience, but Borrego isn't like an offensive genius or an offensive mind. And maybe you want to bring someone like that in as well. So those two games, I think were more, a lot of the bad habits and the Pelicans inability to kind of plan without Zion Williamson, not that they should have, though I think at this point, it'd be smart to have some contingencies in place, just given the games that he's missed. And are you expecting him to be healthy? You know, you've got to kind of bake that into everything that you're doing. So I don't look at the PR stuff being a big issue there, though there definitely was a distraction around that. It's more other things and you kind of see some of that stuff coming and it came at the worst time for the Pelicans, and that's why they didn't end up making the postseason at all. And now you have two playing tournament teams, by the way, that are in the conference finals, in the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers. What could have been? But speaking of coaching, there's another, there's a lot of big names out there right now. There's another one, and maybe another one after that, in Monty Williams and maybe Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers is going to get fired. And should they look to be aggressive and try and bring Monty back to New Orleans? I'll give you some thoughts on that, plus a question that spins off of that about, is the trade market going to heat up now that there's a lot of changes going on? And I like this question. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all. No one else comes to you like this, answering your questions in the live show. If you ask nicely, maybe I'll drop some information on the uniforms, or maybe we'll put that in Wednesday's show. Although the live show is technically Wednesday's show, maybe I'll throw it in tomorrow in the lottery show. We'll get you some Jersey talk in an episode this week of Locked On Pelicans. No one else is going to have anything like that for you. I've seen them. I have some insight on what the NBA, I believe, is doing as a whole, too, from what I've been told. And I'll share that with y'all a little bit, as much as I can. So that's coming later in the week. Be coming every day or make sure you don't miss that. And, of course, we're going to break down everything lottery-related. No one else comes to you like this. Subscribe. It's completely free. Comment down below on YouTube. Let me know who has the most pressure on them. Coaching, front office, ownership. And let's continue talking about some of the uh, some of the mailbag questions here. This one comes from Mark Lusto at TDR underscore M-L-O-U-S-T-E-A-U. And he says, simply, does Monty join the bench? This is good because the Pelicans are looking to add an experienced coach to the bench. And Monty Williams is an experienced coach, has ties to New Orleans, and is the winning the most winning head coach over the last two years? I see people like throw that out, and it's like such a it's two seasons. Let's not make that big of a deal about that. There's other good coaches too, but it shows some success. But he hasn't had the playoff success, and with the way that the Suns have lost in the postseason the past two years in really embarrassing fashion at home, along with a new owner who really wants to kind of put a stamp on the franchise, I think you could see. You'd see that firing coming a mile away. Everyone's like shocked by it. I'm like, not me. Really thought he was going to get fired. Same with Doc Rivers. And I'll get into that in a second here. So does Monty join the bench? Maybe. They should call him. They should absolutely call him. I think he could get another head coaching job. I think he's held in, held in high esteem around the league. But here's the thing. 
as much as I like Monty as a person, I don't love him as a head coach. And maybe that comes from being here and having covered his entire tenure here in New Orleans. There's some definite faults that he has. And he got better about a lot of those in Phoenix. You could see a lot of the improvements that he made. Coaches improve just like players do. Played younger guys, developed those younger guys better when he didn't used to do that at all. But he's also, at times, struggles with the offense. And you don't see very pretty flowing offense, something that the Pelicans, I think, really need to try and add. So if you bring him in, yeah, sure. I still want an offensive guy coming to New Orleans to really work on kind of the scheming and things like that to give the Pelicans a little bit more safety net should Zion Williamson not be playing and maybe getting away from some of that isolation, really heavy offense that they did that failed them down the stretch. So yeah, bring Monty in. I think he can save Willie Green from himself at times. That's good. But don't forget, Willie Green is kind of a disciple of Monty. Would Monty reinforce some of the worst habits? Could I don't really know. So I think there's possibility he comes here, certainly, and then, you know, eventually gets another coaching job if the Pelicans have a lot of success. I don't think it would put pressure or heat on Willie Green at all, and I think he's pretty safe, too. But this ties into a question that Mark Woods asked, and it's at M-W-W-O-O-D-S Jr., and he says, with the latest firing of head coaches, do you see the Pels trying to make a major upgrade on the roster with players that may be more available than originally anticipated? So I read this question as this. There's a lot of uncertainty around teams like the Bucks firing Mike Budenholzer, the Suns now firing Monty Williams, and Nick Nurse also getting canned basically from the Toronto Raptors. And I'm assuming that you're going to see Doc Rivers fired from Philly, maybe, maybe right now. I don't see big changes to any of those rosters other than maybe Philly if James Harden decides to bolt and wants to go back to Houston. But let's let's remove that because it's not like Harden would come here. And if they if that happens, they're still going to try and be competitive around Joel Embiid, who's the MVP. I don't see the Bucks, the Suns, or even the Raptors, and of the three teams, the Raptors are the most likely to do it, to really kind of blow their roster up and kind of go through a rebuild or something like that. Because... You fire the head coach to avoid that. That's what you do here. Look at a team like the Suns, for example. Monty should not have been fired, probably. But what are they supposed to do? Two embarrassing defeats in the playoffs. Embarrassing. 30-point losses, right? 30, then 25. You can't trade. You can't do much with that roster. They don't have picks because they use that in the deal for Kevin Durant. You don't have a ton of young talent there that's like, let's make some trades here and these guys have value. Not really. You traded, you know, bridges away in the Kevin Durant trade. You have a guy like DeAndre Ayton, but how much value does he have around the league given some of the issues that he had in the postseason? Chris Paul aging. Yeah, you maybe get something for him, but not a ton. What are you supposed to do? You can't completely turn over that roster. And you need to do something. So what do you do? You fire the head coach. Same thing for the Milwaukee Bucks. You're not trading Giannis. You're not trading Drew. You're not trading Chris Middleton. And they're limited on what they can do with picks and things like that because, well, the Pelicans have those. And you hope that a new voice, a new head coach will do the thing. I was at my beer garden with Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints, my friend Jeremy. We were talking about the a team like the Boston Celtics, if they lost game seven or even if they lost game six, what would have happened? And I didn't think they were going to do anything. 
if the Celtics had lost this game seven, they didn't. Tatum was awesome. They were going to run it back next year. And they were going to kind of, because you're not going to trade Tatum or Brown. You don't really have a ton of other tradable assets. They could do something, but not a ton. And what you were going to do is run it back with that same team and hope that your head coach, not an interim anymore, Joe Missoula, gets better and improves because he definitely had some coaching flaws in the postseason. And that's essentially bringing in a new head coach. Guy gets better. You fix all of the stuff. There you go. It would have been the season after that they would have been faced with some bigger changes because maybe you fire Missoula, maybe you don't, but that's when you kind of hit it. You always try and go the coaching route first because that's a little bit easier to do. Fire the coach, bring in a new head coach and a new staff and see if a new voice and some different ideas change things. Kind of worked in Toronto with Nick Nurse, though more so because they got Kawhi Leonard that year. So I don't think any of those teams are going to have more players available because you Fire the head coaches to avoid tearing down the team. And then when that doesn't work, players start wanting out. And that's when you start stripping it for parts. But this team isn't there yet. Or those teams aren't there yet because they're true title contenders. It's different when a team like the Utah Jazz part ways with their head coach and then decide to blow it up and start completely fresh. That wasn't a team that we were looking at that could win the finals. We look at the Suns, the Bucks, and maybe less so the Raptors as final contenders. Same for Philly. And so I don't think you're going to see many players moved from those teams. So I don't think it's going to happen. So I don't think they're going to be able to make some of those major upgrades with players that we weren't expecting to be available, but all of a sudden are. It's why you fire the head coaches. Let me know what you think down below in the comments. And who do you think the group facing the most pressure is? Ownership, front office, coaching staff. Let me know down below. Tomorrow, live show. Well, tomorrow, lottery preview, and then live show later that night, which you can watch on Wednesday if you want. We'll answer your questions. Subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast. I'll get it scheduled and everything uh, tomorrow morning. It should be a lot of fun. I am excited. It's going to be a fun week here on Locked on Pelicans. Subscribe. Become an everydayer. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow, lottery day.